You're listening to the Better Than Fiction Bible Podcast. I'm Gandalf. I'm Matt. And I'm Nathan Van Horn. The Bible is the most read book ever, but for many, it is merely fiction. Join our conversation as we connect the dots to reveal that the story of the Bible is not only true, it's better than fiction. To learn more about the show, visit us online at betterthanfictionbiblepodcast.com. Welcome back, listener, to what I hope will be a momentous episode of the Better Than Fiction Bible Podcast, and that's because this is episode 10. We have made it, and I'll be real with you guys. Like most projects in my life, I don't really get beyond like, you know, the third iteration of it. So the fact that we've gotten all the way to episode 10 is a great thing for me. We've gone three times beyond what we normally go. Yeah, and we're (laughs) we're millennials, so sticking with anything is an accomplishment. So this is episode x that's right if we want to be cool like apple we'll just call this one episode x and the next one will be xs and then <laughs> if, we, if it's a really long episode it'll be called the xs max and then so forth look and it will us. cost thirteen hundred dollars right every look time. at us staying relevant for our younger listeners yeah well it's actually funny that you mentioned that nathan because we do have some relevancy with younger listeners particularly our 24 to 35 male demographic that's a really big part of the podcast listenership so we see you guys and if you will help us continue to grow that demographic by recommending us to all your other millennial male friends that would be fantastic yeah so my goal my goal when all these you know covid restrictions have dropped uh is just to randomly get people's phones and leave us positive feedback you know when (laughs) when germs are not such a (laughs) to try to try to help it along as much as we can yeah. What That's are you right. doing on my phone, Pastor? Oh, nothing. <laughs> Had that little incident kind of happen this week, but not exactly. Uh, my daughter, uh, my second daughter, that is, uh, I was dropping her off for voice lessons, and we were waiting for her teacher. And she was asking about the podcast, and I asked her if she had downloaded and subscribed. And she said, no, but I want to. And and I showed her, I said, you know, you can leave feedback on there if you, you'd like. And she said, oh, yeah, 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 I'll do that. And I said, you can even type a review. That would be really helpful. And she said, okay, yeah, I'll type a review. Well, her voice teacher got there, and I was she was needing help on how to access, the, you know, leave a five-star review and uh, type a review out and stuff like that. So I was trying to help her, and her voice teacher walked up and said, hey, what are you doing? I said, oh, I was just showing AK, my daughter, our uh, our podcast, and uh, she was going to leave us some feedback. And my daughter just threw me straight under the bus. She said, no, correction. <laughs> he told me to leave feedback. <laughs> I'm Ooh, old. Ouch. <laughs> Which is That's not cold. true. It is not true. But that, it was too late. I couldn't defend myself. It was just I was done. So. Well, speaking of doing what your father told you to do. Yeah. There it is. Uh, nice segue. That was, for that was a good transition. There's yeah, our segue. That's good. That's good. I've like taught it. you well. Yes. Where are we going to be today? I presume we're all we're still in Genesis. Yeah, we're yeah. talking about uh, commandments, uh, doing what your father tells you to do. Uh, we'll be in Genesis two sixteen and seventeen today. We only covered one verse last week, so we're trying to be more progressive and cover two verses this week. <laughs> um, so, uh, you guys want me to get us started by reading those verses? Go, Go for, for it. it. All right, and just a reminder to our listeners: we are reading from the English Standard Version or ESV. And uh, this is Genesis 2, 16 and 17. 
And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. And I love the way that that's expressed in Hebrew. It's mot tamut. I mean, I don't love death. I just, you know, I love the Hebrew. Yeah, so we read we read 8 and 9 a couple of weeks ago, but we didn't really go into the trees at that time. Right. Um, so uh, Genesis 2, 8 and 9, where we're first introduced to these trees, uh, it says that the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground the Lord God made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. Uh, the tree of life was in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. There really is one more set of verses that we should probably throw into the the pot here before we start talking about this. And it's actually Genesis chapter 1, verse 29. It says, And God said, Behold, I have given you every plant-yielding seed that is on the face of the earth, and every tree with seed and its fruit, you shall have them for food. So what we see here is a consistent message is that God has given the plants of the earth. He has given every seed-bearing plant and tree for man to eat. So man, and we're going to elaborate on this in a minute, is con is created with a conditional immortality. So man... Yeah, made, made, made to live forever, but he still has to eat. Yeah, made to live forever, but you still got to fill your belly and get your nutrients because it's not an unconditional immortality. Man is still made of dust. Uh, he's still made of, you know, physical matter. matter. So there is a... Um, there's a condition to this. So, but when we come to these two trees, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and the tree of life are different. There is no indication in the scripture that these trees are seed bearing or reproducing. That's so, interesting. Yeah. Cause when you were reading Genesis one, uh, there's almost an apparent contradiction in Genesis one. He says, you can have all these trees for food. But in Genesis two, he puts two of the, you know, he puts the one tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, off limits. So, uh, how can they eat from any tree in chapter one? But it's seeds, it's ones that bear seeds. It's uh, yeah, it's it's only those seed bearing trees, and so there's no indication ever that there has there is a reproduction of the tree of knowledge of good and evil or of the tree of life. Nowhere in the scripture is it suggested that there's more than one, or one can. You know, you can take fruit from one or seeds from one and go plant the tree of life somewhere else. No, there, there's only one. They're not reproducing trees. And also, it's one of those, as we talked in the last episode, heaven meets earth things, that this is when we're talking about the tree of life and we're talking about the tree of knowledge of good and evil, we're really talking about cosmic trees. Now, just to remind us, we're not saying non-literal we're just saying that, hey, there's just more than, hey, bark, sap, and leaves going on here. In a previous episode, you said you can't get those seeds at Home Depot. Now right. you're saying you can't get those seeds anywhere. Yeah, you can't get <laughs> you can't get those seeds anywhere because the, their origin is otherworldly. It reminds me of that scene out of The Magician's Nephew in the Chronicles of Narnia, the first book, when Aslan is creating Narnia. He's creating the world. And the children who are there with him as he's creating the animals and he's trying to decide, you know, how he's going to, or hey, he's actually already decided and he's saying that he's going to set up a king and queen 
to, to rule the earth. Well, the children had some coins in their pockets. It was, a, I think, a gold coin and a silver coin, if I remember correctly. And they, they threw them in the, the ground, and those things became a tree of gold and became a tree of silver. And then they took those things and they made the crowns. And it was also, that's where, just to throw in a little bit of C.S. Lewis stuff, that's where the lamppost comes from, because they had a broken piece of lamppost that gets thrown into the ground and the lamppost sprouts up in the middle of the forest. It was, it's this idea that something that's otherworldly is planted into the, the current world, in that case, Narnia. So it, It's a means of representing the union of the two realms. Exactly. So it is for our purposes, when we talk about the tree of knowledge and the tree of good and evil, we're not just talking about apple trees, pear trees, orange trees. We are, we are talking about something that's more than just trees. So I think the, the prohibition that man would have understood, and the fact is, is we find that these are in the midst of the garden. They were probably prominently placed in the midst of the garden, whatever that means. It's pretty obvious to man, hey, there's something different about those. So the prohibition makes sense. Well, it's, it's interesting to me, too, that the prohibition, the command always follows the blessing. So both in Genesis 1 and in Genesis 2, and this is something we'll see later, like with the giving of the law at Sinai, God sets the people free from Egypt and gives them a, a new and better identity before he gives any commands. Here in Genesis, both in 1 and 2, he talks about how he's blessed them or what he's provided for them before he puts anything off limits. The, the command comes after the blessing. It's not the condition for the blessing. I'm going to bring this up to my doctor next time he tells me to lose weight. I'm just going to tell him, hey, eating, it's, it's conditional, man. It's part of the biblical narrative. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, no, and, and, and no, he would say you're sustaining too much life. <laughs> right, exactly. It's not that it's conditional, but it's it's required. That's right. I'll tell yeah, him that. I'm sorry, Doc. It's required yeah, God, by the Bible. God, it's this is not the devil made me do this. This is God made me do this. There this you is, go. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna try that because I have a, I have a physical in January. I'm gonna try that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, tell us how that one goes. Good luck. Yeah, but it's funny, Matt, that you talk about Narnia and like you know cosmic supernatural trees because we actually see that all over the place in pop culture, and I'm sure we also see that in ancient mythologies. Uh, one that comes to mind is the trees of Valinor. You know, the two trees placed in Middle Earth as representations of divine power, or like in um, mythology, like the World Tree Yggdrasil in Norse mythology. Oh, it's, it's everywhere, brother. Uh, so, you know, we've talked about this uh, so often, the biblical story. Again, it's not in a vacuum. It's in, it's interacting that, you know, that word polemic that we keep coming to. It's interacting with other thoughts that are out there. We'll see this when we get to the flood. Uh, you know, this gets asked a lot. Um, a lot of times the flood gets reduced to a fable because you hear it said, oh, well, every major culture had a flood story. But that begs the question, what better explains the evidence? The fact that a flood never happened anywhere or that a flood happened somewhere or perhaps everywhere that gave rise to this, even if you know all the particulars of the stories are not exactly the same, does it make more sense that nothing happened or that something happened uh, to give rise to a story that is found across cultures? I would ask the same thing with the tree of life. Does it make more sense uh, that such a tree never existed anywhere or that a tree somewhere gave rise to this concept virtually everywhere. Yeah, and also talking about the the whole flood thing, it made me think about the Epic of Gilgamesh, 
because in the Epic of Gilgamesh, the, the Noah character, just for, for our purposes, is, you know, he builds an ark and he takes the animals on the ark with him to protect them from the coming flood that lasts for seven days. And then afterwards, uh, the goddess, to show that uh, the her anger has been appeased, hangs her necklace in the sky. Well, that sounds like really familiar to like, to, to Noah and a rainbow and, and all of those things. But what's interesting also in the Epic of Gilgamesh, this character called Gilgamesh, who's this quasi-human divine character, Gilgamesh is tasked by one of the goddesses to go and slay this monster in this sacred garden and cut down the sacred trees and bring them back. And so it's just interesting that's by the way the epic of gilgamesh's writings the writings are the the story is is older than moses's account that doesn't mean that moses's account i mean i i think the bible is the oldest story because i think it's the original but it would have been orally passed down but i'm just pointing out the epic of gilgamesh is very very old it's one of our oldest stories and we can see these traces of these stories and these ancient myths there not even ancient stuff. Um, I read an article just the other day that in our own time, there's a company that will take your cremated remains after you pass away and put it in this urn that you can plant in the ground. And then your nutrients will basically be food for a tree to grow from your body. And it's billed as like a, a like pseudo spiritually as like a second life after death kind of thing. Oh, so that's interesting that it's not only backwards looking for tree. It's very much, very much, forward-looking perpetuating your legacy um matt to your point uh it's you know you mentioned the epic of gilgamesh one thing that's so interesting to me is that in the epic of gilgamesh you have a flood and you have a tree of life but in the epic of gilgamesh the flood happens not because of any notion of sin in the epic of gilgamesh the earth is flooded because mankind is deemed to be too noisy um, so it, it comes back to that polemic concept. <laughs> I'm just thinking of the fact that I have little people at my house. That it's Oh, just, I thought <laughs> the same thing. I would have flooded the earth so many times if that were the yeah. rationale. Uh, <laughs> it's always loud. Um, yeah. but, uh, but even where the elements like a life tree or a worldwide flood are similar, the story that is being told is, is different. Yes. Um, and so uh, what we're after today is, uh, okay, if this is the true story, how how are the, you know how are these trees functioning within the biblical uh, narrative? So let's yes. get into that. Yeah, and so just to piggyback on that is that our comments in this podcast episode and the others about other ancient mythologies, those things are interesting to us, and it just shows that there's some common there's common imagery and there's this common uh, thread of stories in the ancient world. And to me, as you said, it just reaffirms that the story of the Bible is true. Um, but I, I'm putting my stock in the Bible, not in ancient mythology. Um, and, I, and I know that's what we're all doing as well. Yeah, by no means are we saying that, you know, the other similar stories from mythology are saying the same things. Yeah, but in, but in their world, it's almost like, how can you claim uh, to be navigating truth without navigating these key things. Well, what do you do with the flood? What do you do with the life tree? Uh, how, you know, if you have a story that doesn't account for those things and uh, in, in, in their culture, your story is probably not convincing. Right. That's such a good point. Such a good point. 
Well, looking at these two trees, as you mentioned, we've kind of talked about the tree of life. Let's move into talking about the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, because I think every five-year-old, and not just five-year-old, 50-year-olds still have this question, why in the world was that tree there? Yeah, like if God didn't want you to eat the tree, then why did he put the tree there in the first place? Yeah, and it, it, it raises the difficult question, did God create evil? Well, I, so I don't think God created evil, all right? Uh, first of all, it's interesting. Uh, the word here in Hebrew for evil is ra, ra, ah. Um, it can it's got also, a pretty broad usage, yeah. Yes, it doesn't necessarily mean moral evil. It can mean calamity. It can mean disaster. It can mean even as simply as as, as bad. Uh, but it can mean it, it can mean you. I mean, it can mean infirmity, malady. Like you got a bobo. Yes. That's raa. Yeah. Yes. Yes. It, for instance, there's a, one of the proverbs talking about having uh, a tooth that is raa. You know, we wouldn't call a tooth morally reprehensibly evil. No, it's just, it's just, it's, it's gone bad. It's, it's hurting. It's, it's, it's a malady, that type of thing. So anyway, that first of all, the first thing I want to point out about this is that this is not the tree of evil. This is not the tree of good. And this is not the tree of good and evil. This is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And that's a key detail that we're going to iron out before this episode is over. But this tree is playing a role. We need to remember that God, I don't believe that this is teaching that God created evil. I believe we see what God creates is good and he declares it good. I think evil is the necessary byproduct of pursuing good apart from God whether that's in the supernatural world with, with Satan, the devil, whoever, or in the human world, evil is the necessary byproduct of pursuing good without God. Kind of like how a shadow is a byproduct of light. Yeah, that's yeah. really good. Yeah. So is, is, was a shadow created? No, the, the shadow results from the relationship of other created right, things. Right, other created things. And so the tree of knowledge of good and evil was created as good. And that's what we don't need to think, okay, there's two trees in the garden. One's good and one's bad. You got the tree of life and you got the devil's tree over here. No, 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 no. Both of these trees, God created both of these trees for good. And it, yeah. that we've got to start there. And that's that's the interesting thing. Is so uh, when it's talking about the trees, he's talking about that God and you know in eight and nine, God makes these trees for food, and also there's the tree of uh, life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. It's not the fact that this tree was bad; it's that the fact that this tree was not created for food for mankind. In other right. words, it's it's not bad, but it is bad for human food, and that that will be so interesting when we get to Genesis uh, three. Uh, because this conversation that the serpent uh, that we'll talk more about has with the woman, it's not so much that she sees the tree differently, it's that she sees the purpose of the tree differently. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, danger, right. Will Robinson, 
Yeah, God has put this right. tree off limits for food. He said, you know, um, and and then suddenly she sees it's good for food. It's a delight to the eyes, and it's desirable for making one wise. And then she take, uh, you know, takes of its fruit and she eats. Uh, and uh, it's not again. It's not that the tree is inherently bad, but God put it off limits. Uh, and and again, let's go into that, Matt. Um, uh, in in the garden, they have one commandment. Uh, one point of obedience, because without the possibility of obedience, without the possibility of will or volition, do you really have humanity at all? That's true. Coming down to uh, freedom and choice and, and, and things like that. Uh, but as we're thinking about what you're saying, is uh, talking to the listener here, is when we see, because we know the rest of the story, Okay, like, for instance, right now I'm in a a sermon series in the Gospel of John. And I just happen to be in John 11 right now. And it's it's hard to focus on the first part of John 11 that deals with the fact that Lazarus is dead. It's hard for us to separate ourselves from the knowledge of knowing the rest of the story that Lazarus is actually going to be raised from the dead to feel the moment before the, the the story actually occurs. Like for instance, it's, it's the difference between watching the movie and rewatching the movie. So in the first run of the tree of knowledge and good and evil, we don't need to see it as, Hey, this is bad. We need to see it as, Hey, this is good. In the rewatch, we're tempted to say, Hey, this don't is, do it. No. Yeah. And we're <laughs> run. It's to the say, devil. <laughs> that's right. It's bad. But the problem is if you say the tree is bad, if you say the tree is evil, then, then God, God created evil. something yeah. evil. And that runs contradictory. Yeah. I think that's a key part of the misunderstanding because it, it you know, I've never really thought I've never really critically examined the belief, but I guess just in the back of my mind, I thought, yeah, the, you know, there was a good tree, and then there's <laughs> right. the bad tree. It's almost like the text safeguards that. It doesn't say the tree of, uh, as Matt pointed out, it doesn't say the tree of life and then the bad tree or the evil tree. <laughs> Even the tree that has the potential for bad is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It's like, you know, Matt said evil is the necessary byproduct of pursuing good without God. I love that it's the knowledge of good and evil because evil is what results when you think you know better than God about what is good for you. That'll be, we'll see that all sorts of ways throughout the Bible. You you know what? We've already mentioned this movie in previous episodes, but I'm getting this like scene in my mind of on the very pinnacle of Pride Rock, Mufasa and Simba. They're sitting over, looking over the pride lands, and he's telling him, listen, everything the light touches, that's your kingdom. And then Simba looks over and he goes, oh, but what about that shadowy spot over there? And he said, ah, Simba, you must never go there. And he said, well, what about that? He said, no, 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 no. Everything the light touches is yours, but that shadowy place over there, totally off limits. That's not what's being described here. It's not, hey, there's a good thing here everything the light touches, and then there's a bad thing over there that we want you to avoid. That's not what God is saying. Both of these trees are good because it is a good thing to obey. The tree of good and evil was given to be a blessing, not a curse. God did not create a tree of blessing, which is the tree of life, and a tree of cursing, 
which is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Both of these trees are meant to be a blessing. That's one of the things that we tend to lose uh, because we see obedience as burdensome. We, we, lose, we lose that obedience um, in the context of love is not a burden. You know, I think of First John 5, 2, it says, By this we know that we love God. Uh, excuse me. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey His commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not burdensome. You know, so I'm a married man. When my wife says, uh, be faithful to me, that's not a burden. Uh, why? Because all other women stop being beautiful the moment I'm married? No. It becomes not a burden because I love my wife so much, right? Um, and, and in the garden, you have a perfect, unadulterated love. And so the commandment is not meant to be a burden. And so that it's so interesting in Genesis 3, uh, before the serpent can get them to do the wrong activity, he's got he's to get them to have the wrong perspective. Um, and not, you know, not look what God has given you. Look at look at what God has withheld. And I think this is a theme that comes through the scripture, too, is that obedience and worship, for that matter, is not just saying no to something. I know Christianity, especially evangelical Christianity, of which I've been a part of, I think we all have, is that often we're we have been caricatured as you're just a religion full of rules religion full of prohibitions. Don't do this. Don't do this. Don't do this. You know, if you're a Christian, you know, you can't do this. 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 And that's pretty much, you know, what being a Christian is. I don't do these things. Well, that's a caricature because worship and obedience is not just not doing something. It's choosing to do something as well. So these trees are said to be in the midst of the garden. In the middle of the garden, you have two trees that sit side by side. You can't stand before one without standing before the other. So by saying no to one, and I'm saying yes to the other, and this is an offering of worship. To me, this is this is a living sacrifice. Uh, now, what's interesting to me is that later in Genesis chapter 3, uh, we're never told anywhere in Genesis that the tree of life is desirable for food. We're never told. We mm. are told that it's good for food, and we learn, especially in Revelation, that as it bears fruit, you know, uh, you know, 12 different kinds of fruit, and as it, uh, for instance, its leaves are given as healing for the nation, we're told that it has a good result. But it's interesting. We're never told that the tree of life is beautiful and desirous like the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And that's a theme. This is maybe one of those check off gun things that we find throughout the scripture is often the thing that God says, no, I don't, this is not for you on the outside is beautiful and desirous. And often those things that God says, no, I want you to do this. And this is what I have for you doesn't necessarily look pleasant on the front end. Or glamorous, end. yeah. It doesn't look glamorous on the front end, but afterwards it yields an abundant harvest of good in your life. Mm, that's I can't wait to unpack that. Oh, Matt, it's so interesting to me, to what you're capturing, uh, this conditional immortality of man, that man is created in one sense to live forever. On the other hand, he's got to eat. And so man's... Uh, man's ongoing or eternal life is conditioned by what tree 
um, whether he eats from the tree, and then now in, in Genesis two sixteen and seventeen, whether he's partaking of the right tree. Uh, so it's interesting not not only looking back but looking forward uh, to the way that man's uh, you know eternal life will be tied to what happens with these trees, uh, and of course you know looking forward to the New Testament uh, when Christ comes to accomplish our redemption. Well, once again, we'll be on a mountain setting. Uh, by the way, Jesus will pray in a garden right before he goes there. Um, uh, but Jesus will be on the mountain, on the tree. Uh, and the same thing that represents our you know, uh, condemnation at the beginning of the story will come to represent our salvation and our liberation at the climax of the story. And as we've mentioned, when we get to Revelation 22, uh, again, this, this will be, there's so much more we we're, we're, we get to talk about with these trees. Well, if this podcast has taught me anything, it's that, you know, it's this imagery is not limited to this one-off event. Something tells me that we're going to see more tree imagery as the Bible goes on. And also something tells me just from, like Matt talked about, we're, we're pre-spoiled in the story and we are very quickly rushing to Genesis chapter three, where, you know, the big events are taking place. So I definitely am looking forward to it. I know you guys are looking forward to it. And I hope that you, listener, are also looking forward to us wrapping up Genesis chapter 2. I think we've probably got one more good episode out of Genesis 2 before we move into Genesis 3. And there's going to be a lot of good stuff in there, so stay tuned for that. One more housekeeping note is that if you're listening to this week by week, there will not be an episode next week. We're going to take a break for Christmas, take some time off for that, and then we will return on Tuesday the 5th in 2021 and if you're listening to this in the future hopefully even so 20, come 2021 <laughs> even so yeah. come lord even of lords so. yeah yeah that's yeah. right listener if you're listening to this in the future um just try to put yourself in our shoes it's the end of 2020 it's been quite a year hopefully you in the future listening know that 2021 it turns around a little bit so thank you guys for joining us and we will see you next time in 2021 merry christmas happy new Absolutely. year and shalom God bless. Take care. All right. And I'm locking that in.